0: A Friday night game under the big lights at Allegiant Stadium at 8 o'clock kickoff. The Rebels looking to win three straight against the 2-2 Lobos, who are coming off a 38-0 loss in Baton Rouge. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
1: You heard right there the voice of Paloma Villicana from Fox 5 Sports talking about U V and their games that they'll be playing and a game coming up, and we'll be talking to Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports in a matter of seconds. matter of fact, she joins us on the phone lines right now. Paloma, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, and I was going to get into some Darren Waller conversation first, but since we had to rejoin with you talking about UNLV, how about those Rebels getting off to that 3-1 start with the win in uh, in Utah State last week?
0: Yeah, it was awesome. It was so much fun out there. And Logan, um, just just a statement win for UNLV, thirty four to twenty four, over the defending Mountain West champ. Um, you know, the the offense was rolling, their defense was rolling. Um, not not the cleanest game, you know. Coach Royo said they got some things to, to clean up on special teams and everything, but man, it, it's just the energy in the locker room. The guys were going nuts in the locker room after the game, and. You know, the bus ride, the, the airplane home, you know, it, you could just feel the energy. And then, you know, we get home to Las Vegas and, you know, I have locals talking to me, texting me. You know, I'm getting coffee in the morning and I have people coming up to me saying, wow, we're rooting for UNLV football. We're rooting for Aiden Robbins, you know. So, um, yeah, it's exciting that there's so much buzz around the Rebels right now looking to win three straight, you know, this Friday against New Mexico
1: yeah I'm glad you brought up Aiden Robbins I mean he, he's been fantastic as a running yeah. back for the Rebels what have you seen from him and what makes him so special
0: yeah well he's just really humble hard working um you know spent three seasons at Louisville and he's you know from Louisville hometown from Louisville sat down with him and you know he's got a chip on his shoulder he's hungry and you can see that when he's playing he's big he's physical he's just bringing the whole defense with him to the end zone so you know he's 6'3, 235, a big back. Uh, He's a junior running back, and I still think he has like three years of eligibility left. Mm. So, um, you know, he has that potential to be UNLV's next star running back. And, you know, he, he has eight touchdowns so far this season. So, um, you know, it is so early in the year too. You know, they're, they're three and one. So for him to have seven rushing touchdowns, one receiving, he's already been named offensive player of the week, uh, last week for his performance against North Texas. So, um, you know, that was the question this offseason. Who's going to replace the Chuck Wagon? Can yeah. the Chuck Wagon even be replaced? You know, those are some big shoes to fill UNLV's all time leading rusher. So to see Aiden Robbins go out there and ball out it just fires up the offense, it fires up the defense, um, and it's exciting to
1: see. You know, Paloma, that's what I wanted to ask you was about trying to replace the Chuck Wagon without trying to replace him, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. this guy, like you said, is a legend in UNLV football history. So how has Aiden been able to go in there, fill that void, but also not try to be, I don't want to say disrespectful, but just be like, oh, I'm here, I'm, I am I can take that guy's spot. You know what I mean? Like, how has he been able yeah. to slide in there and, and that chemistry be okay?
0: It's not just from Aiden Robbins. I'm seeing it from the entire roster. You know, they all have their head down. They're all working incredibly hard. There's just a different mindset, a different work ethic this, this season. And I think it's just from the experience this roster is bringing to the field. They're older. They're more mature. Um, you know, Coach Royal doesn't have just walk-ons and freshmen and sophomores playing you know he has a lot of seniors on this team a lot of fifth year seniors on this team a ton of transfers who are coming from winning programs so when you bring that that work ethic of everyone here at UNLV in that building it's here to do one thing and that's win the Mountain West Championship and when you got the whole team on the same page and they all have the same work ethic They're all, they all have their head down, you know, even though they're coming off two wins, you know, Aiden Robbins says nothing has changed since the first day he got there. He just has his head down and he's just been working and, you know, all the stats and everything will take care of himself and, I'm like, man, this is this is a great, great, great roster that Coach Arroyo has. Just the, the maturity I'm hearing from these guys and the work ethic I'm seeing. They're telling me they're having their best practices ever under Coach Arroyo right now. So you can see that practice translate to to live action on Saturdays.
1: Some good things going on with the Rebels right now. Again, we're talking with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports here on Red Nation Radio 920. And Roughness, DeMond's got one for you.
2: Doug Brumfield, in the offseason, it was looking like, hey, is he going to enter the transfer portal? Is he going to leave UNLV? But now he's leading the Mountain West in passing Mm -hmm. touchdowns and has a couple of rushing touchdowns to go as well. How has Doug Brumfield looked this season? And what does Coach Arroyo had to say about his starting quarterback, who in the preseason, (laughs) we didn't know if he was even going to be at UNLV? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, Doug Brumfield, I think it's the maturity we're seeing from him, his consistency. Uh, right now, you know, his confidence to, to run as well. Um, and that's what Coach Royal wants to see, is that consistency. You know, he got Offensive Player of the Week honors after after their week zero win. Um, and, and I think Doug Brumfield is saying, all right, let's do it again. Let's do it again and again and again and again and again. So we're seeing that consistency from Doug Brumfield. And you know I'm sure he's happy he stayed and he's able to to build success with UNLV but like I said it's not just Doug Brumfield it's not just Aiden Robbins where I'm seeing that maturity and that leadership I'm seeing it from the entire roster so when you can get the whole you know the whole roster to to band together and, and get focused on one goal it's exciting to see but yeah Doug Brumfield he's been lighting it up you know through the air on the ground doing flips doing backflips I mean he's He's showing us what he can do, and he's also so tall out there, like six five. You know, he's he's he can see over the o, o line, and you know he's he's um you know he's really he's really growing. And I think every single time I interview him, he's just more mature, uh, more poised, and you know I can't wait to see him ball out on Friday.
2: I know that the team is hot, and I shouldn't look too far ahead into the future. <laughs> there he goes. But, uh, hey, man, let a man dream. <laughs> Bro, you do the rep zone every week with Coach Arroyo. How does he feel that this offense is looking and shaping out? Could this be the best offense in the Mountain West?
0: Yes, definitely. I think so. Um, and I, I just think it's the buy-in. You know, it's the buy-in that he's been able to get from his guys right now. Um, the consistency we're seeing. And, and just his weapons, you know, he really won the transfer portal, bringing in older, mature guys, his receiving core, the depth he has in his, in his wide receiver room, the depth he has at the O line, the depth he has in his quarterbacks. Um, you know, last year they were banged up. They were banged up at every position last year. And we could see that Coach Arroyo did not have depth on his roster last year. And, and that's where we saw, you know, Third string, fourth string guys go in, and, and man, it, it, you know it showed, and it was tough. So for him to have depth in in all his positions this year, it's definitely a factor. When Kyle Williams goes out, or you know Jeff Weimer goes out, their their stud receivers, you know now you got Nick Williams, their third string receiver going in, and he can ball out too. He can catch some big balls too. So um, yeah, I mean I think it's the depth we're seeing. In this year's roster,
1: talking right now with Paloma Villacana here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty unnecessary roughness. Now, Paloma, I noticed that you were at Darren Waller's uh, event for his uh, foundation on Monday night. It raised over six hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. When you're at an event like that, I mean, wh- what, what goes through your mind from what Darren Waller does on the field to everything he's doing off the field as well?
0: The first time I met Darren Waller was here during the pandemic in Las Vegas. And he was giving back to um a local, you know, chef project up in, in North Las Vegas where, you know, kids who are struggling, kids who are in and out of juvie can come and and learn how to cook up in North Las Vegas. Just a safe place for young teens to hang out. And Darren Waller was there cooking with with young mm. local teens, um, you know, who who were homeless, you know, in and out of of juvie. And he was there during the pandemic. We all had masks on and everything. And we were all, you know, social distant interviews and everything. And I was like, wow, you know, even through the pandemic, Darren Waller was still trying to do as much as he could for the community, helping out the homeless, helping out, you know, youth out here. So, um, you know, the first time I met Darren Waller, he was, you know, off the football field, you know, doing so much that he can do. And now that he signed his three year contract extension, it's like, At least Las Vegas knows that, you know, they have a star on the field and a star off the field, just the way he cares so much about Las Vegas and and really helping out, you know, everyone here. And last night, I learned that he has, he's awarded 36 grants to local Nevada, local people here in in Las Vegas who are struggling with addiction, and he pays for their rehab. He pays uh, for their treatment, and, you know, for him to grant 36 you know, awards to those people. And he told me there's no way he could have paid for his rehab treatment, you know, if he wasn't in the NFL. So now that he has all that money, (laughs) he's, he's here in Las Vegas to give back. And, you know, I think, I think that was Darren Waller's second chance. You know, he almost died in his car in Baltimore. You know, he almost OD'd in his car in Baltimore. Um, So I think this is his second chance is now that he's blessed with all this money he can help people who are struggling and give back to las vegas
1: yeah no i think that's incredible so i mean at that event as i mentioned it raised over six hundred thousand dollars for everything that he's got going on but what was kind of the mood and what was the you know the i guess reaction with the people that were there in attendance
0: i think everyone was so excited to be there and, and support darren waller you know he's such a big part of this community such a big part of raider nation um, you know, and he's all smiles, he's signing everyone's football, he's taking pictures with everyone, um, and you know, it, it's just, it's, it's awesome to see that he's such a star on, on the Raiders roster, but he's so approachable you know he used to bag groceries at sprouts you know before he got his his big jump here with the raiders so that's just one thing is that you know what what a great person to look up to on the field and off the field too so you know everyone there was just so proud to be there and and you know willing to help his foundation and all his all his all that his foundation does
2: I know that at the charity event, there's a lot of auctioning going off, signed Darren Waller memorabilia that -hmm. that people are bidding on. But were there some people that he's actually helped and affected that were also there at the charity event? Because I know that you said he's giving away the money, but are those people actually there to support him when he's doing the big things?
0: I think so. I definitely think so. Um, And I I actually want to to reach out to the recipients of his his program, the patients who've been able to, to get that help from from Darren Waller and go through that rehab facility. You know, I want to speak to them and get to know them. Um, but, yeah, I think everyone there was just really proud and, and excited to be there. And, you know, Darren Waller, everything he does, you know, off the field has been so impactful. He was right after that event the next morning. He was at the Nallis Air Force Base here in Las Vegas um, talking to service members there. Um, so it, it's crazy to think that any free second he has during his week You know, it is season. We're in the middle of the season, you know, and any any free second he has, he's in the community giving back, doing something, doing a community event, with his free time,
1: yeah, no, that is that, that's impressive. And anytime I've had a chance to interact with him and talk with him, he's always been so genuine about his mm-hmm. uh, you know his responsibility to the community and also his desire to be a big factor in the community. Paloma, I gotta ask, did you uh, mention anything to him about the Aces uh, parade and and uh, Kelsey winning <laughs> the championship? Did you mention anything about the Aces while you were there with him?
0: Yes, yeah, they actually had Kelsey Plum's jersey. They were auctioning off her jersey. And nice. Of course, I was like. Man, your girl is a star. I mean, I was like, <laughs> KP is my girl. I was like, power couple right here. Um, but he, he told me, you know, his hat goes off to her. I mean, they finished up that parade. Now she's in Australia with, with Asia Wilson and, you know, Chelsea Gray, and they're balling out um, in the FIBA, the the basketball FIBA out there in Australia. So for, for Kelsey Plum and the Aces to wrap up the parade, get on a plane, go to Australia, and continue to play basketball – I was like, man, after their season wraps up, you know, so Mm -hmm. Darren Waller just says, he told me he's so proud of her. And, you know, I'm excited to see Kelsey Plum in the future she has here in Vegas.
1: Yeah, no that's awesome and I'll say this when they said that that they were going to Australia the next day after that parade I was done yeah I was man. done because I know what kind man. of mood that they were in I was like and they said <laughs> they were partying all night I don't know how they made that trip to Australia but they're they're there balling right now paloma yeah
0: they're balling out and you know they they just wrapped up their their season the right. finals and everything I was like man I'm on a plane to go play more basketball like, <laughs> <laughs> respect respect right. those Absolutely. are pro athletes right there
1: no doubt about it before we let you go Paloma this is always great catching up with you. I wanted to ask about the event that you were at, where you got to talk to, uh, where you were part of a panel uh, of, of young ladies that are here in the in the oh, area yeah, as yeah. a sports journalist. I know that that was a moment mm-hmm. that you're pretty proud of, man. Tell us about that yes. event.
0: Oh, it was awesome, Molly Sullivan. She's uh, she used to be. Uh, a longtime reporter in the NFL and in the NBA. Now she's at UNLV teaching journalism classes there. And I was able to be on a panel with all the women broadcasters here in Las Vegas: Stormy Bonatoni, Kathy Soto, uh, Tina, and I'm forgetting someone else, Kevney from Channel 13. Yep. So it was all all the girls. We all got together and we just talked about. All of our experiences and us, you know, moving all across the world, uh, across Mm -hmm. the country for our job and, and, and getting to talk to students. And, of course, the students had so many questions about what I do and how I do it and how do I prepare and everything. So it was awesome. But it was also awesome to learn from Stormy's experience, Cassie's experience, Kevin's experience. I was like, wow, I I had no idea that that is everything you went through to get to where you are now. So a lot of respect for the women in this city that, that are grinding every day.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, everyone has a story, right? Everyone has a story. It's nobody's, I think, is the same, and their way that yeah. they got where they are. And you mm-hmm. guys do, all of you guys do a really good job. So I saw that picture tweeted out. And I thought, oh man, I got to make sure I <laughs> oh, ask thank Paloma. You. Yeah, no, I, I definitely wanted to ask you about that. But you know, it's funny. I've, I, you know, I've only been here a little bit over a year, and I've had a couple of opportunities to talk to uh, high schoolers that are in broadcasting mm-hmm. and they're thinking about it. And it's, it. I don't know about you, but when they come up to me and say, "Hey, thanks for that. That was really helpful." I really want to be in broadcasting now. I mean, regardless of what we do on the daily, that to me mm-hmm. makes me feel like really good that we could help impact some young young people's lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of questions about the rev Zone, and, you know, girls telling me, you know, they want to do something like that one day. And if I can be a tool here in Las Vegas to anyone who wants to, to get in the business and who wants to come out, to an Aces game or a UNLV game, you know I'm here for you. So, um, yeah, I'm always trying to give back what I can. So, yeah.
1: There you go. Well, I'll tell you right now. Big Deuce hit us up on our Salmon Ash text line and said, "Paloma and the UNLV talk has me excited for UNLV as I try to watch Woo! her stream the games." And he said, "I live in NorCal, <laughs> so she's got fans from out of state." That's from Big Deuce. Oh, let's go! Let's
0: go! <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice, good stuff. Well, what's coming out on the Rev Zone that we could be looking out for, Paloma?
0: Yeah. So I'm sitting down with UNLV's DB, Jerry Williams. He's, he's a stud in the backfield for UNLV. Um, and he's from Louisiana. He's good friends with Jacoby Widman, former Rebel mm-hmm. standout. Mm-hmm. Jacoby's now balling up at, at Michigan State. So super humble kid on the reb zone, you know, came from nothing and tells me that it's an absolute dream to be at UNLV. And, you know, he, he got emotional, all teary eyed, telling me like, you know, he's fed every day. He has clothes every day. He's, you know, working out in the Taj Mahal. So just an incredible story on Dre Williams. You'll see him on Friday night on defense. He's one of their top BBs. Um, and just another awesome show with Coach Arroyo. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. I hope they win three straight, four and one. Hope we go to a bowl game. Hope we win the Mountain West championship. <laughs> hope we go.
1: Confetti, let's go. Everything. Let's
0: go. So there you let's go. go
1: <laughs> there you go. I'll tell you what. Vegas is a city of champions. So there you go. We're building something up. Now we just gotta get the Raiders on board as well. So there's yeah, yeah. there's that. Well Paloma, thanks so much for your time. Fantastic stuff as always. We definitely appreciate you. Thanks, Q.
0: See you guys.
1: All right, there she goes. Paloma Villacana, right there, Fox 5 Sports. Lots of good stuff to unpack right there. Talking UNLV, talking Darren Waller, talking about the panel that she was on at UNLV. Uh, really good stuff. And, uh, again, Paloma does a fantastic job. Follow her on Twitter, at Paloma It's 3.17 is the time we'll come back. Get some of your calls and texts. Don't forget Aaron Wilson from uh, Pro Football Network. He'll be joining us at 3.30 to talk about the player-only meeting with the Raiders. Go some deep diving into the silver and black. We'll do that at 3.30. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. There are two questions, Stefan. This show has been asking for about 10 years. Are the, Raiders yeah. For, yeah, are the Raiders for real? You don't need to answer that one. But this one, you actually you can answer. Is Kirk Cousins good? <laughs> yeah.
3: Ra- yeah. The Raiders are for real, too, though. Their Carr is hot. He's hot. yeah Adams is still no, one of no, the best. can't
4: be for real yeah. at 0-3. 0-3, Stefan, no, yeah. that's no, like, listen, come on. Listen, listen. No, hear me no, out. Hear me out. Right.
5: How
3: many games are in this season? There are 17,
5: 17, yeah.
4: 17 games in the season. Uh,
3: if only if lose three. I mean we had a great
0: year. Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q.
1: Bill's wide receiver Stephon Diggs right there talking about the Raiders, talking about Derek Carr. So funny that so many people outside of the building or outside of the fan base gives Derek Carr a lot of props and then the fan base is like, no, 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 and you know, and there's always so many questions, but I get it. I get it. When you're 0 3, there's always going to be a lot of questions. And uh, we got a lot of folks that have some questions that have been hitting us up on the Salmon Ash Tech sign at 69187, keyword RR. Also, the Rare Nation listener line at 702 365 9200. Also, wanted to point out that Jared right here in the 702 actually hit us back and said that he is not the one that uh, talked about Darren Waller and Derek Carr not being on the same page. So I wanted to make sure that we clarified that. I didn't want to put that on Jared if it wasn't him. But let's go out to uh, Steve in Pittsburgh, not in Cali, but in Pennsylvania. Steve, welcome to the show. What's on your mind?
3: Yeah, I I am very concerned. uh, And the reason I'm concerned, uh, recent head coaches, no head coach has done less with more than Josh McDaniels. The issue we have on offense is he refuses to run the ball. We have the least rush attempts in the league. In the league, while averaging four and a half yards a carry. That goes for in the red zone as well. We don't run the ball. Teams know that. Teams are daring us to run. That's why linebackers are dropping in coverage when we're on the seven-yard line. They're not even worried about stopping the run because we don't run the ball. We're passing 70% of the time. Josh McDaniels, he might need to go to college and, and go to the Big 12. Because NFL, like, you have to run the ball to win here. I don't care who your quarterback is.
1: All right. Thank you for the call. Shots at the Big 12. I'm a Big Big 12 guy. <laughs> I know what he's saying, but I'm a Big 12 guy. And they do, <laughs> they do run the ball. DeMond saw the look on my face. So I was like, that was unnecessary. <laughs> Steve taking a shot, man. Hitting us up from Pennsylvania. Ain't nothing wrong with the Big 12, brother. <laughs> Let's go out to Raider KG. Welcome to the show. What's will your mind, brother.
5: <laughs> hey, thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh, long-time Raider fan. Been through ups and downs. But uh, I got some questions in regards to the play calling. Okay. You know, my my first question is, where is Amir Abdullah? Uh, we brought him in. He's a quick back. Uh, he ran a couple plays in preseason. I think he's only had a couple touches, positive yards. Mm-hmm. And that's it. He's not there. And, and, and then you look at the two-point conversion, play you know uh, there should be more creativity your two-point conversion should be something creative uh, there's something weird in formation, something just passing the ball over the middle to Darren Waller uh, where there's more traffic than there is in the LA freeways that's not a good play to call where's all the misdirection and and, and now I just started thinking more about McDaniels you know, I liked him when they made the announcement uh, however you know some some coaches have only had successes living in the shadows of the goats i.e. Tom Brady rogers montana you can go back and that concerns me because they make all these creative plays and they're successful they step out of that bounds, whether he's in denver years ago now it comes to the raiders and not having that same success now, some coaches do have those successes and so that that's concerning to me and 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 the Devonte adams you know good coaches really good coaches know how to find uh, plays that will get people open. Look at Cooper Cup of the Rams. McVay will find plays. If he's triple covered, no matter. look at the Super Bowl. Bengals couldn't stop them no matter what they did. A good coach will draw a play that will get the best receiver open at any given time on the field. And the other thing I hate, and I've seen it for years, I'm surprised McDaniel continues to run it, is these one-yard outs. They just drive me crazy. You throw a ball one-yard in a fumble that Marunco had a couple weeks ago. Those, those one-yard patterns just don't do it. We got speed. We got to bring in some of these players. That that concerns me. We we, we could run more plays with some of these running backs, get them out of the backfield, do something more creative than, than just seeing what's going on status quo for years. This offense doesn't look that much different than it did last year. That's all I got to say.
1: Thank you for the call, Raider KG. Appreciate you. Uh, Good stuff there, a lot to unpack, and we'll get to it in a minute. And uh, we will go over the Raiders' injury report for Wednesday, as well as the Denver Broncos. Got that coming up. We also have Aaron Wilson coming up in a matter of seconds. But let's go out to the phone line. Let's go out to the five and dime and talk to our guy, Rich, in Oakland. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind?
3: Hey, what's up, Q? Gentlemen. So, basically, you know, I'm hearing these callers. They're talking about, uh, McDaniels and they're frustrated with his play calling. I'm not. I'm not gonna be. You know, McDaniels. He, he's learning. You know, he's gonna he's gonna take his bumps and bruises. I think for the most part he's had a solid play play calling game plan. You know, he's he we moving the ball up and down the field. It's not a problem. He's had some blunders. The little you know, the little go arounds with Devonte Adams, and then he he does some funny plays when he shouldn't try them at all. But besides that, I feel like he's done a good job play calling. The problem that we have is in the red zone. The problem is that with Del Rio, we had problems in the red zone. With Gruden, we had problems in the red zone. And now with McDaniels, we have problems in the red zone. Yep. So sooner or later, we're going to have to figure out, is it coaching or is it the quarterback? Okay. And uh, you said Stephon Diggs, you know, he, you know, a lot of players around the league do give props to Derek Carr. But would they want Derek Carr throwing them the ball? You know, this is one thing to be all. Oh, all we we good, we cool. Yeah, Derek Carr is a baller, this and that. But would you want him as your quarterback? Probably not, because we give Derek Carr Devonte Adams, the best receiver in the league, and he's making him look pedestrian. It's not all on Derek, but like that, uh, like the guy yesterday on Twitter was going crazy about Dan or, or Lord. Or what's his last name? Orlowski. Yeah, him. So basically, you know, Devontae is open a, a lot of, and sometimes you just got to throw it to him. The difference between Carr. And Rodgers is that Rodgers doesn't care. He'll air it out and throw it in double coverage, and Carr is more likely not to do that because he doesn't want to make the mistakes to upset his coach. The thing about Carr is that you can't be scared to make mistakes and upset your coach, bro. You did it with Gruden. Now you're doing it with McDaniels. If we're 0-3 right now, we really want to make a run because the schedule does get easier after the bye. You need to make these plays that you're not making right now, be a little more mobile in the pocket, and don't just go on your first read. When he goes up to the line, he already knows where he's going no matter what, and nothing is going to change his mind. we got to get over this. We need one win. That's all we need is one win, and who knows what might end up happening, all right? But we're going to need to play a lot better on defense, and we need a lot better from Derek Carr and Waller also and everybody else. It's not only our car. But Carr's been here nine years now, so it's time. Either you're going to put up this year, or I think Mark Davis is going to get rid of you if you don't make the playoffs, bro. I'm keeping it honey, But that's just my opinion, Q. What do you think? Have a good, good
1: stu- day. Thanks, man. Thanks. Good stuff. And I'll say this. You ask what wide receivers want to play with Derek Carr, Devontae Adams wanted to play with him. You know that, and, and as you mentioned, best wide receiver in the league, he wanted to play with him. I don't know the rest of the, the wide receivers because I haven't talked to him. But Devontae Adams wanted to be here. That's the reason why he's here. Uh, I do agree that sometimes you have to be willing to make a mistake, right? And, and it sounds like from the way that Derek Carr answers questions that, you know, he's not wanting to make a mistake right now, right? And so I think that you're spot on with that. I think he's trying to be too careful. And sometimes you just got to have that mentality of, I'm not going to be too careful. I know that the best guy on the field is number 17, and I'm just going to go to him. So, you know, that's, that's another thing. And as far as Aaron Rodgers throwing it to Adams all the time, Aaron Rodgers didn't have no options. <laughs> I mean, he's going to do it because he's a gunslinger, but I'll tell you what, there wasn't a whole lot that Aaron Rodgers had to throw to, so he was throwing it to Devontae all the time. So we'll get back to that conversation in just a little bit. We do appreciate the call, but right now joining us on the phone lines from Pro Football Network is our friend Aaron Wilson. And Aaron, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, my man. And I wanted to have you on to talk about the piece that you put out on Pro Football Network about the players-only meeting that the Raiders had following the loss of the Tennessee Titans. What did you think when you found that out, especially after only being three weeks into the regular season?
4: It was interesting, and I thought it showed a sense of urgency from the players and some accountability from team leaders like Max Crosby and Derek Carr. And though they care very much, these guys are trying their best to win. It's not like they're completely uncompetitive. They're coming up short. There are some deficiencies. Some of them are things the players you know, really can't control. They're beyond their control that – you know, the die was cast a bit for, you know, they, you know, really had this new regime of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. So, you know, they're paying for some of the sins of the past with the organization in terms of drafting mistakes and a failure to fortify both sides of the line. Fortunately, they hit on Max Crosby. But, you know, Max is a really commendable on and off the field and someone that you can build around. It's not like it's hopeless, but they are off to a bad start, and it is causing concern and consternation in the organization, and that's why Mark Davis wanted to talk with Josh McDaniels, and that's also why the players wanted to have their own meeting. And my understanding of what was expressed was just, you know, let's stop making these mistakes. Let's start capitalizing on opportunities, and let's stay the course and keep working hard. I don't think effort is the issue at all. I think it's a matter of, you know, really using their personnel the right way. And, you know, they've had some major issues with the offensive line with all of the lineup changes. Some of that's because of injuries with, you know, the center position. And it looks like they've got a keeper. I'm hearing really good things about Parham. I think that he's a good football player, good prospect for them. But you know, he is a rookie. It may stabilize. I know the numbers for the analytics are fine, but you want to have more continuity with the line. And there has been some concern expressed about the offensive line coach and you know how he's done. I don't think that came up during the player meeting, but yeah, I keep hearing that he has not really been a hit so far with the organization. So you'll see. You know, he's someone that's close to Josh McDaniels. I'm sure he'll support him and he'll continue to be the offensive line coach. But you know, that's one thing when you hire people that you're close to, you hire your friends and you know, sometimes you don't hire maybe the always the top candidate that you could have gotten, but you hire someone that you're you know, loyal to and that you have a relationship with. And that happens all over the league, not just the Raiders. So, you know, none of this has anything to do with the Gruden workplace stuff or the human resources. I mean, we're literally talking just only about performance and personnel and not a pure chemistry issue. Had mostly positive reviews about Josh McDaniels, I'm hearing you know, that the players are buying in. I've had a few bring up some things from the past, the narrative about, you know, these guys that are Belichick disciples and they try to, you know, do their thing. I think Josh truly has learned from the Denver experience where he, you know, wasn't really ready to be a head coach and be in charge of everything. And yes, he's, you know, a boss with the, you know, you know, with the Raiders, but he works in tandem with Dave Ziegler, his close friend.
1: Talk right now now with Aaron Wilson from Pro Football Network here on Unnecessary Roughness, Red Nation Radio 920. Now, you mentioned the offensive line. That's something we've been talking about for a very long time, about the concerns there. Uh, What would you think would be the reason, or maybe you've heard what the reason is, why they didn't go out and address the offensive line as far as bring in a proven commodity on that offensive line when they had the the chance in the offseason?
4: As far as the players or the offensive line coach?
1: No, the players. The players.
4: It's interesting because I don't think that anyone could have said, this is going to be a great offensive line. You know, Colton Miller is obviously the class of this group. He's outstanding. And, you know, they've got a guy in him, but you need more. You've got to have more linemen and they've, you know, they don't no have Trent Brown. They no longer have a lot of the linemen that they used to have. And I think they've regressed to the line and, you know, they may just feel like they couldn't fix it all in one year. I haven't really had a good answer to answer your question, or not answer it completely enough, but no one's really explained it, why they thought this would work. I think drafting Parham, that's good, Mm -hmm. but, you know, Bars and Simpson, that's been back and forth. Right now it's Bars. Jermaine Illuminor moving inside. Thayer Munford. So the right side is probably the biggest issue. And no I don't think there's anyone really great on the street. I mean, obviously, the Cowboys just signed Jason Peters, but, you know, I don't think they were looking in on that, you know, on getting a 40 year old guy. Ideally, they draft linemen and they get in some free agents and they're going to be able to fix this. It may be that fixing the personnel is not a one year thing. I know that the analytics and the stats say that they're doing an okay job, but I just. You know, feel like they're coming up a bit short there. And, you know, this critical area, which is the offensive line, and again, a lot of this, you know, the picks, that was Gruden. You know, Mayock, really, he worked for Gruden. And I think everyone, obviously you guys are close to it, so you know that, that you know, John was the boss.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And Mayock worked for him. And, you know, Mayock didn't have, like, the most, uh, you know, thick resume. I mean, he was hired off television. And, right. It worked out how it worked out. It's not like they bombed every pick, but, I mean, they they had a lot of misses. They had more misses. I mean, Leatherwood, that was absolutely disastrous to draft Leatherwood where they did and, no, didn't work out. So, you know, I I think, you know, you look at some of the issues, too. I mean, you've got – you had Devontae Adams at a high level of production in the first game, and then it's only gone backwards since then. Yes, he caught a touchdown this past game, but his overall targets and catches – not what you would hope for optimally, so yeah they've got some things to work on. I mean, they are the only o and three team in the league, and that's why I thought it was worthwhile to take a look at the Raiders and you know just ask around and This was some of what I was able to get back, and I was able to talk to several people about the Raiders, so you know, we'll see what winds up happening but you know Chandler Jones slow start that wasn't anticipated, and when you know he's coming off outstanding seasons, and it hasn't been as productive with the Raiders. Does that make him a bad player? No. I don't think all of a sudden he's forgotten how to play or just you know completely declined physically, but he is not off to a
2: great start.
1: No, he's not. Again, we're talking with Aaron Wilson from Pro Football Network here on Raider Nation Radio 920, and let's say roughness. My man DeMond's got one for you.
2: You mentioned this earlier in the show, and I wanted to get your opinion on it about that when you call for the player-only meeting, you can only do it one time. It's you know it's the big trick play that you can't pull it out if the team <laughs> is still you know one in seven. Let's say when the the eight game mark pulls around, that you can't call for another player-only meeting and still try to get it together. In your time covering the league, are player meetings like this? Do they continue on throughout the season, or is it just the one and we're just gonna ride this season out no matter what? I mean, you're not
4: limited to one. You can revisit situations. You could have updates. You could talk. Every locker room, locker room is like an interesting thing. So when you're in a locker room, there are different vibes. Uh, I was in Baltimore for 15 years. I've been in Houston for seven. I've heard of other player meetings. The Ravens used to have a lot of them. And a lot of these things would happen off-site, you know, whether it was like at Ray Lewis's place or Ed Reed uh, were two of the guys that would sometimes call for a meeting. And very rarely, like, Joe Flacco was not the kind of personality to call for a meeting. Usually it's got to be an alpha-type personality, like a defensive guy or a fiery quarterback. And, you know, Houston, like J.J. Watt was involved in things like that. Brian Cushing, uh, so typically like kind of an alpha-type guy. It depends on personalities. Max has that type of personality. Max can command that kind of respect. And, you know, it's commendable of him to step in like that. But, yeah, you, you don't want to have a meeting every week. I mean, these guys – they don't. Some of the guys don't really want to do a whole bunch of talking. They just want to play ball, and you know this isn't really their thing to have a lot of meetings, you know, on top of what they're already doing. But yeah, I mean, you can meet again. What most teams do is they have a leadership council, and then they use the leadership council to be the conduit to talk to the coach if they're having an issue. And I, I'm I'm not familiar if they have one. I'm certain they do. Most teams do have a leadership council. Uh, very much an open door policy. I mean, like the relationship with. Especially with Derek Carr and Josh is pretty symbiotic, where they talk and can talk openly. It's my understanding, and so it's not like there's this big controversy. And I think some people, you know, I was looking at some of the social media reaction. I mean, I'm just sort of being explanatory. I'm not really, you know, saying like you know, the Raiders are you know hopeless or that the Raiders are inept. No, I'm just outlining the problems and I'm trying to be. They're very dispassionate about it you know because I'm not a fan or a critic really of the Raiders but yeah there's there are some concerns there were some opinions expressed uh, to me from a variety of people and that's I think it was interesting just with their knowledge of the organization and closeness to it to pass those on and a uh, topical topic that that was pretty much my motivation of of writing the piece but obviously fans take it some kind of way and I understand that too because that's their passion and you know so the reaction it is what it is as they say in the NFL but (laughs) yeah to me I mean they could fix this thing but you know it's very unlikely that we're looking at a playoff thing I know everyone says well they were in the playoffs yeah with a lot of these same players and then they add Adams it should be different but just because you add star power doesn't mean that you have a better team and you need a deep roster. I mean, if you look at the secondary, you know, who's very good? Nate Hobbs? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they, they got that pick right. Nailed it. Uh, he should have been drafted so much higher. In fact, um, the Texans wanted to draft him because he played for Lovey Smith at Illinois, and Levy's now the head coach here. And they thought that he was going to go later in the draft, and they were told several times by his agent, Greg Linton, hey, he's not going to go late. There's a very good chance that you know, he's going to go earlier, and he did. So uh, props to the Raiders for getting that pick right.
1: Yeah, he's, he's the best player in their secondary, and it's, it's not even close, right? I mean, I've been, I've been saying that for a while. And, Aaron, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, the team being a playoff team a year ago, and then they go and add, add Devontae Adams so they should be better. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those that said that, right? I was one of those that said, hey, they won 10 games last year. They have more talent this year. They have a better play caller this year and Josh McDaniels, so they should be good, but they've gotten off to the 0-3 start. And, again, as you mentioned, it doesn't mean the season's over. It just means that they've gotten off to a really slow start. They have top-end talent. But the depth, that seems to be what a big issue is, and that was even talked about in the piece that you put out on Pro Football Network uh, about the team not really being set up to succeed right now. How much is that depth or lack of depth hurting the team?
4: It hurts them a lot. You know, um, it's just one of the situations where you know you look at the lack of depth and it affects everything. It's just one of like, how can you – compete when you don't really have the personnel to do so. So you have to overachieve, you have to try to do more, and that can breed sort of a try-to-be-a-hero mentality. That's a problem for teams. Like I covered the Chicago Texans game on Sunday in uh, Soldier Field, and the reason you give up 281 rushing yards, when people try to do too much and you're way out of your gap and you miss a bunch of tackles and you don't wrap up. But you know, for the Raiders, they really miss Denzel Perryman. When he's healthy, he's a difference maker. I know that primarily he plays on early downs, but he's a thumper and a leader. And I think when they get Perryman back, they might change things a little bit for the defense.
1: Aaron, I wanted to ask you this, and, and this has been great. I do appreciate your time this afternoon, but I, I started the show off talking about could this possibly be one of these scenarios where the team goes into this season and has Adams and has Carr, has his offense in place, and does the best they can and see where they're at and then say, okay, this is our biggest areas of concern going into the offseason. This is what we're going to go and address right now. Is this? Can you see that as a possibility for this Raiders team?
4: Yeah, I mean, There's a possibility that they scrap and fight and wind up finishing, you know, with a close to a 500 record and don't make the playoffs. One of the issues too that I don't really get into this as much because it's sort of an obvious look at the division they're in. Yeah. Look at the quarterbacks and how would you rank those quarterbacks? Patrick Mahomes first.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Then you're talking about Justin Herbert. You no, know, you're looking at. I guess. Russell Wilson, well, he hasn't played very well this year. Right. Every one of his games, he looked terrible to me until the fourth quarter. But, you know, maybe he needs more time. And then Derek Carr. So, you know, it's a quarterback league. And this is like the leader of the arms race as far as quarterback position where these guys are the blue chippers. I mean, Herbert's hurt right now, but, you know, he won't be hurt the whole year. I mean, I'm sure he'll recover from this rib cartilage issue. At some point, he'll get back to slinging it the way he can. I mean, he's good even when he's hurt. I think, you know, it's a tough thing because is Carr really good enough to get them all the way over the top? And, you know, is he a Super Bowl quarterback?
1: It's a good question. I that's question fair. It. Yeah. No, and, that's, and that's I, fair. I,
4: and, I, and I respect him. I'm just saying, though, is he elite? I mean, they used to make the target about Joe Flacco. Well, he wasn't until he had this hot streak in the playoffs in the Super Bowl in Baltimore in 2012, but that's ancient history. You know, what's Derek Carr been able to do in the postseason? Not much. Yeah. You know? So, and until you do it, you're not going to be thought of that way. Whereas guys like Mahomes, who are younger than him, have already been there, done that. And so some of this is on Derek. I mean, and it's not like people doubt him or don't respect him. It's just yeah, at, at a certain level you think of him that way, but he's not always in this conversation. We talk about the top quarterbacks and I know that bothers him and he bristles and he's very sensitive as you probably have noticed uh, (laughs) with blocking people on social and things like that. I hope he doesn't block me. Uh, I'm not following him, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me. Cause you just think about, you know, Josh Jacobs, no, not no really a star running back, pretty good running back when he's healthy. So, I mean, you, Darren Waller, you know, he's going to catch the ball. There's, I mean, there's a lot of guys, they just paid him a lot of money. He's got to perform to that level. He's good. He's borderline great. But all these little things add up. And their are red zone issues. Big problem. That's some of that scheme, plan that you have. You've got to have a plan in the red zone. And then the execution. I mean, there are problems. You know, there's penalties, a lot of penalties with the offensive line. Most of the penalties, I believe offensive line penalties right now so they've got to work on that and their coach their offensive line coach he's got to work on that right he's got to coach these guys up so i mean there's a lot of things you know we're going all over the place but there's a myriad of problems so the 0 and 3 there are reasons for it and we're just trying to explain that and you know i'm not in las vegas or You know, super close to it, but I made some inquiries and that was the feedback that I got. So I'm just reporting what I've heard and what I believe to be true. And, you know, the idea is, you know, also by quoting guys from their press conferences, you know, that way they can explain themselves. And I thought they were candid. You know, honestly, I I thought there was a lot of accountability from Devontae, from Derek Carr, and from Josh McDaniels. It wasn't like they were sugarcoating it or saying everything's fine or had their head in the sand. No, I mean, they're being very honest and candid about it and giving all the information I think that they feel comfortable giving out. The first I would love to hear from, and I think the Raiders fans would love to hear from, is Mark Davis. What does Mark think? Mm-hmm. But the odds of Mark doing a press conference, like a Jerry Jones-style thing, giving an update, oh, boy, <laughs> got a better chance of winning the Texas Lottery.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Jerry loves that stuff. He'll do it every day of the week and twice on Sunday if you yeah, let him.
4: Jerry, Jerry <laughs> loves the big loves the, uh, the, the limelight. That's his thing. I think he'd be a lot of fun to cover. Uh, yeah. I think he's also a source, I, I've heard, for some of these yeah. you know, anonymous things. I think he plays the game. And, you know, if you notice, they get mostly positive coverage. How about that? Because when there's transparency, what usually happens? Well, it satisfies people, right? and maybe they're a little less critical, or at least they give you the benefit of the doubt a little bit. It's interesting because the more access you give, typically it does help, whether that matters or not to the organization, helps your uh, image and brand. And the Cowboys, generally, even when they're not good, there's just a lot of attention paid to them, popularity. Raiders have an incredible opportunity with the stadium they have, with the money in that city, with some of the players they have. To really be a important franchise in this league, and it's got to keep making good decisions. And if this year is not the year in the first year of the McDaniel's Ziegler regime, then you know they'll work diligently to try to get it going next year. But yeah, I would say they're far from hopeless. Those guys are really well qualified and smart, and heard nothing but good things about them. So yeah, I would expect the Raiders to get better. Just it's just a matter of. What does success look like for them this year? And it might be battling to be 500. That might be the best they can do.
1: It could be. It could be. They're three weeks in. There's 14 games guaranteed still to go, and so it ought to be interesting. But, Aaron, that's fantastic stuff. really is. Do you have anything else coming out of Pro Football Network that we should be on the lookout for that you want to promote?
4: I am working on some coaching updates that will not involve the Raiders. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to uh, update on uh, Matt Rule. Oh. Um, I'm going to... Probably do an update on Seattle. Uh, I'm looking at a few of the other teams, and I'll try to get some injury updates. They're uh, not always easy to get. Uh, i always have a lot of people hitting me up asking me, like, hey, man, what do you, do you know? Who's going to play in this game and all that stuff? And typically tonight and Thursday are when I start to make a lot of the calls and try to find stuff out. But, yeah, it's a challenge because, you know, it's information people don't want you to have. Right. Uh, and Kind of like coaching searches and free agency is a lot easier, I would say, um, or like the Tuesday tryouts, things like that. It's kind of readily attainable. But, yeah, I mean, for any reporter covering this league, you know, there are so many uh, great journalists covering it, including a lot of great journalists from Las Vegas. Uh, a lot of people I, I really respect and enjoy reading. So, yeah, there's um, – and I don't think anything – I don't think anything I wrote is, like, super groundbreaking. I think it's just kind of like, okay, I'll just take a look at something collect it and try to you know frame it as best i can so yeah it's i've had some people tell me it's a smear piece or whatever but uh you know that's fine i mean it's mostly fans like yep. they they get upset but you know the idea is just to tell the truth and you know hopefully the raiders will get it going because uh, i think actually i'll be out there uh for the texans game so nice. you
2: know
4: i'll see you guys in the press box and uh say hello but yeah i'm uh Excited to see them in person, and to—I've no, never covered a game at that stadium, so it should be cool.
1: Yeah, no, it will be. And it, it's funny—you uh, used to work with uh, a good friend of mine, and John McLean. We have him on every week. So, uh,
4: yeah. oh yeah, great guy. Yeah, John and I—we uh, were—we uh, teamed up at the Houston Chronicle to yep. cover the Texans and uh, worked together for several years. I've known him since 1997 was the first year I met John when I was covering the Jaguars, and he was covering the whole league. Yeah, Uh, yeah, John's a legend. Uh, (laughs) Yes, he is. Absolutely,
1: (laughs) yeah, he really is. Well, Aaron, fantastic stuff, my man. I can't wait till you're here in Vegas. Uh, We'll definitely hang out in the press box. We'll chop it up a little bit, but great work as always, my man. And I do appreciate you.
4: Thanks. Talk
1: soon. All right, there he goes, Aaron Wilson, right there, Pro Football Network on Twitter at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL, and I'm done for the day. I'm done. That's it. I'm going to, DeMond, go ahead and just do the last hour by yourself. I'm done. I'm just going to walk away from the microphone because that's about as good as it's going to get. I mean, we got
2: Karin Adams. We can, I can make it last.
1: <laughs> DeMond's like, bye. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> no, seriously. That's as good as it's going to get. That's as good as it's going to get. That was fantastic stuff from Aaron Wilson right there from Pro Football Network, used to work with my good buddy John McClain at the Houston Chronicle. They worked together for quite a while. Uh, that's good stuff. That's a guy that, as I mentioned to many people on Twitter who thought, as you heard Aaron say, oh, they think it's a smear piece. It's not. He's he's only reporting on what he's hearing from people that know more than I do. So, you know, that's, that's why when you can – so, yes. So when we can get guys like that on, it's fantastic. And he gave us plenty of time, gave us plenty of detailed answers – and there really should be nothing left to the imagination. He detailed everything that he knows and then some. Lots to unpack right there from Aaron Wilson. If you did not hear that thing in its entirety, make sure to check out the podcast later that we'll have up. Devon puts it up every day after the show, LVSportsNetwork.com. I'll probably run it back on my podcast as well on the Lockdown Raiders podcast because that was fantastic stuff. And I could walk away from the show and call it a day. Go eat a Reezy and not have to worry about having a bad show afterwards. But I ain't going to do that. You got one more hour in me, man. We're going to come on back. I do want to – yeah, I'm looking for call number nine. Zaman just told me again, reminded me. Call number nine, the Ultimate Raiders hookup. You want it. We got it for you. Let's get you in to win a $35 gift card, the Raiders image. That's going to get you in to win two tickets to the game coming up on Sunday against the Broncos, two field passes, and also getting you in to win uh, autograph Raider jersey. Call number nine is what we're looking for. 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.